This podcast is made possible by supporters like you. Mahalo. And by Atlas Insurance Agency, Hawaii's largest professional agency, helping Hawaii navigate insurance solutions since 1929. More at atlasinsurance.com. Aloha my kako, welcome to a new episode of What School You Went? Start every conversation with that question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and uh, today we're going to be wrapping up our October spooktacular stories. Um, and very grateful that we've been able to sit down and talk story and share uh, with Lopaka Kapanui. You know, there are several forgotten cemetery, cemeteries across Hawaii uh, that are no longer tended to or even visited. Uh, this story is about a cemetery that does not exist even on paper, yet it is haunted. Uh, we're talking about the Pu'u'iki Cemetery in Wailua on Oahu's North Shore. I want to welcome back my good friend Lopaka Kapunui. Lopaka grew up around old Hawaiian legends and stories from his ohana, and he's uh, been mentored by one of the greatest in Glen Rant. And today he shares his mana'o and all that he's been taught willingly to those wanting to learn. Because <laughs> uh, not everybody like hear these stories. Yeah. 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 Lopaka. And and before we get any further, uh, I, I have to, I want to ask, if you don't mind, to, we've had a month full of, of stories of our places, people. If you could share your gratitude hmm. to those that have been in the room with us um, and, you know, th- and also the thanking them of allowing us to share. Mano. Oh, yeah. you know. Aka <laughs> O mai kalehulehu, haa heo oyena Hawaii. Aloha e. Aloha. Thank you, Lopaka. Malanui. And um, I, I, I know that you take great care in sharing these stories and um, understanding the responsibility that it has with you, the kuleana, to be correct and to be pono, but also to make sure that we are respectful yes. to those who come before us and are still with us. And to raise the vibration in the area to make everything more positive. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it positive. <laughs> I like positive. <laughs> uh, but, you know, sometimes we gotta, we got to learn about our history to know where we're going. And uh, here's one that just, this one intrigues me. Um, because if you read about the, the old cemetery in Wailua, might look just like an ordinary cemetery to those who pass by. But there's something very special going on in there. Um, we're talking about the uh, Pu'u'iki Cemetery. Hmm. Tell me about the Pu'u'iki Cemetery. Yes. What's going on? The Little Mound. What's funny about that cemetery is Nanette Napoleon was the one who told me that technically the cemetery does not exist because it's not on the records. And I remember telling her, but I've physically been in that place. And she goes, you know, that's just you know, how those things went back then. Uh, apparently there's a large Korean contingency uh, 
in and around that cemetery. And going there before, I, I can physically see the Korean side of the cemetery. And I didn't realize there was such a large uh, Korean community in the area. And what's, to me, unique about the Korean people is not just the wonderful K-dramas, which make me yell at the TV screen all the time, <laughs> um, and the great food. But yes. when I ask Korean people you know, about their sh superstitions, and these normally turn out to be the Korean persons who are like our age and older, they refuse to say anything. Wow. Like they won't share. And so, you know, I understand that. What's funny about that section of the cemetery is I used to have a, a ghost tour that went out to Wailua. So we would stop at Kukani Loko first to pay our respects to the area, to ask permission to go further. And then we would go to the, uh, the old Hunganji that has some stories attached to it. And then <clears throat> we would conclude at the Puiki Cemetery. On more than one occasion, uh, going into that cemetery, I've, I felt such such heavy sadness because of how the place was being disrespected with, with homeless and, you know, uh, guys on four-wheel drive, motorcycles just right through the cemetery. But the other thing was, more often than not, over the cemetery, uh, myself and the people in the group would see akualele. And sometimes these akualele were, um, were red, one was blue, but the more common one was the green one. Coming over the cemetery, you know, green flaming orb at the head, you can see like a face and just right over the cemetery. And I remember racking my brain for like almost a year trying to figure out why is there a kualele coming through this cemetery that's largely Korean? I mean, there's other, you know, Hawaiians, Portuguese, and everybody else. And I remember asking my my cousin, uh, Kione Nunes, about this. And, you know, Kione, in his very Kione way, he goes, oh, you never know. I was like, no what? He goes, you know, some ohana in order to make the akualele work, aside from all the pule, they need a dead body. So what better place to find a dead body than a cemetery? Mm. He said, the older, the better. And that's where that, 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 that was part, ooh, sorry, that was uh, plantation life back plantation then. Life. Thus you have all the different ethnicities uh, in Wailua was definitely plantation uh, family members who worked in the fields, who died tragically or got sick. Because back, back then, even no such thing as, you know, that kind of health care that we have today. So people died. And and uh, tough lifestyle, too. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my Schumacher side on Kauai at Hanamau, Hanamau uh, Plantation uh, <sighs> lifestyle, my, my, my oma and my opa, yeah. you know, Walter Schumacher, straight from Germany, you know, they had a tough life, <laughs> tough life. So people died, and, yeah. and the cemetery there is where some of our Korean descendants and Even kids work. Uh, exactly. had to work. So there's a children's, a small children's section in that cemetery too, well, which in my experience is the most active part of that cemetery. I have a picture I'll actually uh, let you show that I own that was taken in that cemetery. What does the picture show? So why the picture is unique is because it was taken with no flash, but uh, one of the graves in the children's section is this cylindrical cigar-shaped cigar orb, like right over the grave. And to me, it's a legitimate photograph because it's taken with no flash, so there's no light source except for the one you see in that picture. 
Okay. I look forward to seeing that sort of, <laughs> you know, I, you know what, hey, look, look, there are those who have seen orbs. Yeah. I see them. You know me, I, I'm like you. And they say, okay, I saw a white orb in my picture or several orbs. Ah, but that was light, like you speak of. Oh, that was from the street lights or a, a flash. Mm -hmm. You're speaking of something that had no illumination nearby. Yeah. And this was just captured. What does that symbolize, or what is that? What's the significance of an orb? You're at a cemetery, but even if they you see it at a party, or yeah. what? What? What is the significance of an orb? Normally, there's not enough heat in the air for the apparition to fully manifest. So when it does, to us, it looks like orbs. Uh, growing up, my neighbor, Mr. Tanaka, used to call it uh, hitodama, because you see those things around his house like all the time. Say that again. He called it what? Hitodama. I thought you said hitogana. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My hearing, not so good. Kuli. Um, which means? I guess orbs. Orbs. <laughs> you know, uh, bouncing lights. If anybody knows the correct answer, please share Yeah, let me us. know. Let me know as well. <laughs> you know, each tombstone that we go to, no matter what cemetery, whether it be, uh, by the way, massive, massive respect for, for Napoleon, who she yeah. has uh, educated the world about the importance of our cemeteries and taking very good care of so much respect so for much her. respect for her yeah um yeah she she has she probably could talk story oh absolutely all, all day long about some <laughs> stories of a new one who especially but um the headstones tell a story of of a deceased but it just it goes beyond just a headstone and mm -hmm. in some cases where the maybe the cemetery is not well taken care of they don't have that headstone, or they may not have that tombstone or marker, and in some and in in some ways, this is what this cemetery is. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's 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 not many markers there, not many, you know, signs of that it's that exists. And if it's not even on on the papers, but boy, you know, it's there. Yeah. In the children's section, there's one very strange headstone. It's uh, sort of kind of like kapakahi, you're sticking out of the ground. And the birth date for that baby is, um, I want to say, 1925. But his date of, of passing is 1915. And so I always, I always thought, you know, maybe the guy who was carving out the headstone got it backwards. And I, I forget this person's name. Maybe it, I forgot because it shouldn't be mentioned. But I mentioned this fact to this person. The person said, no, it's correct. I was like, you sure they never make them backwards? Like the guy was a little bit ona or drunk. He goes, no, it's correct. So that's the strangest headstone I've, I've ever seen. Born 1925, died 1915. No explanation. No explanation. No cause of death. No cause of death. And what's funny is the, the baby's name on that headstone is it's been, I guess it's been there for, for so long, it's almost like just faded out, you know, on that headstone. Okay. When, so Kauai is our roots. Right, yep. and um, <clears throat> there's a Protestant church that I would go to Sunday school sometimes, and right in the back is this old, very very old graveyard that has my Schumacher family buried there, and also uh, my Fredericelli family, Fredericelli family buried as well. My grandma's still there, my grandpa, but on the other side is where all the, the Germans were, the German family was buried, including my opa Walter and my grandma Abigail. But one of the stones reads, 
just baby Schumacher. So either stillborn or, or just young, but no birth date, no, no d date of death. Just said baby Schumacher. And I would always ask my, my grandma before she passed, how come Dallin doesn't have a, a name? Or what, what's, what's the story there? And no one could ever share why. Hmm. But it has a, the, the baby has a tombstone. So when you, when you talk about that, <clears throat> our, our, our keiki, and in this case, there is a keiki area, yeah. correct? Yeah. In, in the Wailua, Wailua Children's Cemetery, is, I think what they call it. Our keiki is, is when we lose keiki, it's, it's, uh, it's heavy. Yeah? Why is that? Because our, our keiki is, you know, um, a DNA manifestation of, of ourself. So it's uh, a part of who we are, our perpetuation, you know, our immortality through this keiki. And so when you lose a baby, you lose a part of your, not only physical makeup, but a part of your, your soul. You know, a part of your future dies with that, mm -hmm. that keiki. And you never really get over it. You know, there's all this psychotherapy and all this stuff online that, you know, supposedly will help you with it, but it stays with you. So you never get over it, but you learn to deal with it is not, not the right term. You learn to acknowledge that that event is a part of, of your, your physical makeup, your spiritual makeup. But you lost a part of your, your future. Yeah. In, in that as well. Why are... You know, when we talk about those who understand or keen of, of their, pres of their um, ability to see, recognize, and be aware, um, and not everybody has that, and I call it a gift. Mm. Why do our pets, <laughs> <laughs> and why do our kikis yeah. often see what we as adults sometimes don't see? That's because at you know, some point in our life, in the transition into becoming an adult, we're so, so much in a hurry to, to be growing up that kind of like how they say once you lose that that last baby teeth you also lose your your second sight mm -hmm. but a lot of times as i said because we're in a rush to grow up and and move on to the adult world we suddenly forget about that part of ourselves and some of us take it with us into adulthood and still see and hear like you know you and me and others don't mm -hmm. and they they sort of walk around uh in life unaware and when you're walking around unaware you also lose the connections to your foundation, you know, that gave you this spiritual sustenance. Can you take it away from somebody? You can. You definitely can. Definitely. As a, you, you as an adult can suppress or take that away from a child. Yes. If, uh, if you're not aware of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. If you can ex help me explain, articulate that, because <clears throat> I know of folks who say, ah, you know, especially if a kiki sees something. Yeah. Oh, he's just being silly, or stop it, no, you know. But most times, the connection with a keiki that's having an experience or sees is a pleasant one. Mm -hmm. It's always, it's usually positive. Now, if it's a scary one, that's different. But if they see something positive, or happiness, I, I was taught as a youngster, don't don't take that away. My older sister um, had the ability to to see a person as they would look in the casket. And it became a problem for her, like at work, you know, uh, in her daily life. So our uncle uh, Tom, uh, Niso, 
you know, the Netanyahu family, over the phone, had my my sister come on the phone, and um, he did the pulley, and he he took it he took it away. You know, so she wouldn't have to experience that. That's a heavy burden. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a that's a, that's a good way of a, an example of a positive way of removing that. Yeah. Uh, for the children, though, you you don't want to take that away because we need that connection. <clears throat> I, I think you know, as in the case of in my my sister's case, I'm sorry. Um, if someone had sat down with her and explained to her what was going on, why she was seeing these things, and then on top of that was supportive, mm -hmm. uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, she, I believe she would have been able to, to live with it, you know, understanding it. And so <clears throat> I meet a lot of people who come up to me and say, you know, I have psychometry, I have uh, clairvoyance, clairaudient, I can see, hear, feel, you know, ESP, telepathy. And a lot of times, right after telling me that, they also, they also tell me, but, you know, my family really, really um, made me feel so bad that, you know, uh, I checked myself into a mental facility. Uh, my parents made me feel horrible about being able to read people's minds, so now I'm a substance abuser. And a couple of people have also said, you know, my, my husband doesn't understand, so started to abuse me. I can understand that. So... Of yeah. the non-believers, yeah. Absolutely. Or just the people who don't understand. And so there's people around, walking around today, substance abusers, mental facilities have these gifts, but no support. Mm -hmm. So what's most important is when you perceive that your keiki can perceive to support, you know, and be positive and nurturing, instead of throwing the book at you, yeah, you get out of here, you're the devil, I don't want you right. in my house. Yeah. Uh, because that's happened to a young man who could read minds, uh, his mother disowned him after she took him to his church to get an exorcism and it didn't right. take... Like he's possessed. Yeah, kicked him out, disowned him. Yeah, yeah. It's, not a it's not a matter of being possessed. It's, it's, a, it's a gift that comes with a lot of responsibility. That's you know, I talked about <clears throat> uh, pets too because uh, my dog, Maururu, uh, so we named him Maururu, which in, Tahi Tahi in Tahitian, Tahiti, it means thanks, like to give thanks. So I, I don't know why, but I said, Maururu, that's going to be his name. That dog, and I've had many dogs, that dog can see. You know, he, he's constantly, you know, and I know it's, it's, it's something, and my wife believes too. So we always ask him, like he can be looking upstairs from downstairs, out of nowhere. Who's that, Maruru? And he'll just stare, you know, and there's nobody there, or at least we cannot see. Yeah. So pets can see. Yeah. You believe? My dogs do that. The first thing I say is, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but when they bark and there's nobody there, yeah. I always I call I call him Penelope. Yeah. You know <laughs> when they start barking and I open the door. Penelope, nobody there. Yeah. But somebody's there. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pets pets have the perception. Yeah. Why is, why is that? Why are animals uh, that keen to that? You know, because they they have that one thing that human beings don't and that's that extra that extra little element of perception. Mm -hmm. And um there's instances where a person's pet has died and the pet's spirit has come back. You know, so pets are very keen, very sharp. Mm -hmm. So normally, um, if you are not inclined to do a blessing at a place where you're moving into or working at, bring your pet. Yep. Let them walk around. <laughs> right. You'll see. They'll, 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 they'll feel it. Absolutely. It's, a, it's like uh, some say that pets can feel a storm coming way before yeah. humans can. Even I, fish in your fish right. tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Well, we, we, we went off subject a little bit, but not really, because <clears throat> this is about our keiki as well, and, and this cemetery in Wailua. Has there been an effort, though, to, to better maintain that space in the, in the recent years? As I understand, the community is doing a great job of cleanup. And at one point, um, I forget the name of the group of Korean people that went and Malama, that cemetery, and they were surprised that um, other people came from the community to help them, you know, uh -huh. because it's, it's about Malama, it's about Aloha. The access to the cemetery is, uh, you have to drive through one part of the neighborhood, get to the end of the street and park and then walk in. And then on this side, there's another entrance that comes this way. And I remember uh, nights going there, parking the bus and, you know, police like just out of nowhere, all of a sudden show up. You know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm not panicking at all. And the one officer comes, just like, bro, what you guys doing? He's like, oh, we can tell ghost stories. Oh, okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. But in, in that particular cemetery, you have the Korean, yeah. uh, uh, those who worked in the fields uh, and plantation life, rather. You have the Hawaiians. You have Catholic references. You have mm -hmm. Japanese. I mean, there's a, it's like a... It's like a community yeah. in that cemetery. So there's a lot of mana. There's a lot of, um, you know, presence there. Right. And we need to take care of our places that we we say aloha to our our family and friends. There are others out there that, um, boy, sadly are not taken care of. And I know that others have stepped up. There's one in Pro City that now people are actually making an effort to take care of, which in the years past, homeless people would go there, knock over tombstones and yeah. and not understand that. But I, yeah. I'm happy to hear that if that is the true, that Pu'iki Cemetery is being well taken care of now, yep. that, yeah. that, that's, that's a positive. Yeah. Uh, this Vietnam veteran that used to hang around the haunts, uh, Doug Lam, he died of a heart attack a, a week after Glenn Grant died at the, Doug did at the Honolulu Museum of Art. And Doug told us when he was a kid, he would go with his parents to Puiki Cemetery, you know, and they would make offerings, sometimes, you know, bring the, the bao and, you know, the fruits and stuff like that. And Doug said, one day <clears throat> at this, you know, this one grave, uh, they bought Kona oranges, you know, put it in a nice pile. And he said, you know, my parents just praying, praying, you know, and back then practically everybody could speak Hawaiian. He said, they're praying and praying, and he's looking like this, and the parents like this praying. And he said, real quick, kind of, he just, it's like this, peeled the orange real quick and ate them. And he said the thing was, was rotten. It's like, tasted like, like the whole thing inside had died. And so the parents saw what he was doing, and they never gave him lickings, but afterwards he said on the drive home, they told him, you know, when you offer food to the ancestors, the, the mana of that, that food is for the ancestors. You know, they take it first. He said, we eat after. So that's why the thing would taste all rotten, because <laughs> not for us. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah, I never forgot that. Oh, I would never touch anything yeah. like that. <laughs> anything, even if we go and bottle Heineken on the gravesite, <laughs> we'll, we'll walk right on by. Hey, uh, Lopaka, again, thank you so much for spending the entire month of October with us. I uh, really appreciate it. We, um, we love talking story with you. I could talk story with you all day long. I will ask you back. I'll be back. I appreciate that very much, my friend. Be safe, be well, and uh, take care of yourself and your ohana. Mahalo. You Mahalo too. to your wife, please. And your kolohe boys. Yes. On the <laughs> island of Kauai. Mahalo Nui for joining us, folks. Join us next time, another episode of What School You Went. Until then, ahui ho.
What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimane Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.